Well, once again, good morning, Kingsway. I want to begin our, our time together today by, by just thanking you. And I really mean this. A thank you for all the ways that you're continuing to be the church right now. Uh, for treasuring Christ, pursuing authentic community, loving our neighbors. Uh, despite all of our present limitations, you are not taking a break from caring for one another. Uh, even when so many areas of normal life feel like they're completely on hold. And I was reminded this week that, that the church isn't a building, right? That the church isn't even a meeting. The church is the people of God under the rule of Jesus Christ. Even when we're unable to gather together, we don't, we don't get to say for that reason, well, I'll just get back to the whole church thing a few months from now. No, we, we persevere. We get creative. We take initiative. We find new ways to encourage and build one another up from afar. Uh, so to every younger saint who has gone grocery shopping for someone else, delivered a meal, or, or maybe just lovingly checked your desire to hang out with all your friends all the time, thank you. Uh, to every seasoned saint who has persevered in learning a new technology <laughs> to stay connected with people, no matter how many times your computer says, please install another update, <laughs> thank you. Uh, to every manager or supervisor or, or business owner who's working really hard right now uh, to protect your employees, to provide financially for their families, and modeling what it means to trust the Lord as a servant leader in the midst of so many unknowns, thank you. To every parent who's choosing to, to channel your concern for your children into fervent prayer, instead of fear. Thank you. And every member of our church who's made a phone call or sent an email or, or used our directory to check in with another single or family, maybe even someone you don't know very well, maybe somebody who speaks a different language. Thank you for doing that. I'm also deeply grateful uh, to those of you who responded to my encouragement last Sunday to continue supporting the gospel ministry of our church uh, through your giving, in some cases above and beyond uh, what you would normally contribute. Uh, your generosity is humbling. And I want to encourage all of us to continue to honor the Lord that way in our faithful giving. Uh, you can give online. You can give by text. Uh, you can go old school. A number of folks are doing this, which I love, and just mailing a check into the office. But thank you for doing that. Let's keep that up together. Uh, one more thing I want to mention I trust most of you already saw this in our Friday newsletter, uh, but I learned this week that, that we have a growing need for younger adults who are not in that older adult risk category uh, to strengthen the ranks of our food pantry volunteers. If you're not aware of this, we, we provided curbside delivery of a week's worth of groceries for some 30 family units last Thursday. And I was talking with Craig this past week. We're convinced that that as layoffs continue, uh, we know the demand for that kind of care and love will only keep growing. It, it's a very practical way that we love our neighbors right now. It also gives us an incredible opportunity in the midst of a lot of trial and uncertainty uh, to share the good news of Jesus and to pray for people while they're waiting in their cars, of course, from a safe social distance. So take a look at the newsletter, uh, which we're now publishing in both English and Spanish, uh, for contact information if you're able to serve in that way. 
Um, at this point, I'd like to invite our brother Josh Kruger to come and lead us in a prayer of intercession. I'm so thankful he could be with us this morning. Good morning, church. Uh, it's a joy to be with you all, uh, even though it is only via a computer or phone or a TV screen. Um, it, is, it is a joy. Please pray with me as we head into this morning. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Lord, this morning we want to start by acknowledging the facts, what we read in Psalm 136, that you are good, that you are the God of all gods, the Lord of all lords, and that your steadfast love endures forever, even during a global pandemic. And so, Lord, we, we trust you this morning as we bring our requests and our joys to you that we know your steadfast love for each one of us who is watching this or listening to this right now. Your steadfast love endures at this moment. Lord, this morning we, we want to specifically thank you for two things that happened in our church this week. I want to thank you for Jason and Jessica's new baby girl, Maeve, who was born on March 30th. Lord, thank you for the blessing of that girl. Thank you that it went well, the delivery went well, that Jessica is doing well, that they are um, at, in, this, in this time experiencing this joyful time of having a baby girl being joined to their family. Lord, I pray that she will be a blessing to them. I pray that, that they will enjoy being parents. And I pray, Lord, that you will save her at a young age. That you will explain and make clear the gospel of Jesus Christ to her. That she will believe. Lord, I also thank you for Victor and July's wedding yesterday. Thank you for, for uniting them in marriage. We pray for their marriage. Uh, even though it was a very small wedding and so unorthodox, Lord, may they experience your joy as they head into a life together. Will you bless their marriage? Will you draw them close? Will they together serve you all the days of their lives? Lord, I <clears throat> want to bring a church needs to you this morning. I want to pray for several groups of people. First, I want to pray for people who have lost employment or have somehow been act impacted employment-wise by this pandemic and as a result are having financial difficulty. Lord, we pray for those people. We pray that you will supply in supernatural ways to men and women who need financial help at this moment. Lord, will you show yourself faithful in big and small ways? Also pray for those who are still working, either at home or at work. Pray, Lord, that you will give strength to those, that you will give wisdom in how to work in different environment than what they're used to. And we pray specifically for the healthcare workers that are in our church. 
Pray for the first responders and the police officers, those men and women who are on the front line still working with the public. Lord, we pray for your protection that none of them will contract this virus, that they will be able to serve and that they will be able to stay healthy while they are serving. Give them strength, Lord. Give them courage and give them faith in you in this process. Pray for those who are sick, whether it's a chronic illness or just a common cold. And we pray, Lord, that your hand of healing will be on these men and women in our church, that they will experience your nearness, that they will experience your healing power, and that in this time, maybe they are isolated and sick, that they will just experience that God is near to them and that that will bring comfort to their hearts. Lord, I pray for those who have loved ones that are sick and that they may not even be with that loved ones. I pray, Lord, for comfort for them. I pray for peace. I pray for an unwavering trust that you are the one who has deemed this situation the way that it is. And even though they cannot be with their loved ones who are suffering, that you are there. You are our ever-present God, and you leave nobody alone. You are with their loved ones. Bring peace to their heart, I pray. I pray for the older folks in our church, Lord. I pray that you will sustain them in this time, that you will protect them, that you will give them restfulness, and that you will give them peace of mind. I pray for loneliness of so for so many people, Lord, who are by themselves and do not see other people and feel lonely, missing the community of the church, missing friends, missing family. Lord, I pray that you will help us in this struggle for faith. I thank you for technology that we can connect, and I pray, Lord, that you will help us to harness technology to its fullest at this moment, to stay connected. So help us, Lord, when we struggle with loneliness, that we will also know you are there. We are never alone. Pray for those who had major change in plans, weddings, vacation, travel, reunions. Pray, Lord, that you will give contentment to us. That we will know that your master plan for our lives are a good plan. And that we can, in the middle of our Um, changed plans. We can still be joyful looking at you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, I pray for families who are together at home now, husbands and wives and children. I pray, Lord, for peace and for joy. I pray that you will protect them against conflict and anger and rebellion I pray that homes will be places of peace in this season. Pray for those who are fearful and anxious at this time, and especially those who are fearful for the future, that they will trust you, that they will know that you hold them in the palm of your hands, that you care for them and that you are in control. I pray that you will bring faith to them and that you will bring peace to them. I pray for those who struggle with doubting your goodness in this time, who are saying, how can this be that God allows something like this? Oh Lord, will you help them to know that you are exceedingly good? 
Will you help them to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, God sent his son for me. No matter what is happening now, but in eternity, he has been good and he will be good to me. And in all these things, Lord, we know and we believe that your steadfast love endures forever. You did not and you will not forsake us. You are close to us. You are in control. Lord, I pray for our church finance that you will supply through men and women of this church and through other means if you so choose that we will continue to have the finance we need to to um, minister as a church. I pray for church leadership for Matthew specifically has to make many decisions that's outside of the norm. And for Chris and me, as we meet together, Lord, will you give us wisdom in how to love the church, how to lead the church? And then I pray for community group leaders who are leading community groups through Zoom. Oh, Lord, will you bless them? Will you give them faith to do that and to do it well? And may we stay connected that way. Lord, as we prepare for the weeks to come, will you prepare our hearts for the time that may still be very hard, that we will not be overwhelmed, but that we will have faith in you. We are dependent on you, Lord. Will you please be our refuge in this time, our very present help in this time of need? But even more, will you help us to grow closer to you in this time, to get to know you more, to trust you more, to love you more, to enjoy you more, and to become more like you, Jesus. May this not be a time where we are spiritually adrift and confused, but rather a time where we focus on you, where we seek you, where we pursue you, and where we flourish spiritually. Even this week, will you put a hunger and a thirst in each one of us to seek you, to read your word, to humble ourselves in prayer, and to worship you. Because, Lord, you are worthy of all our adoration and all our worship. So again, we acknowledge you indeed are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. You are God above all gods. Help us not to distrust you or blame you, but rather may your name be magnified in us and through us, in how we speak, in how we relate, in how we believe, in how we think, in how we trust, and in how we encourage one another and serve one another. Even in this time of turmoil, may we, the church, be a beacon of hope to the world a light shining in the dark. Lord, we ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible with you or on your smartphone, uh, you can open it to the book of Psalms. You'll find that roughly in the middle of your Bible. Uh, Psalm 131 in particular. I don't know how our governors recent stay-at-home-until-June-the-10th executive order hits you, um, it certainly knocked our present situation into a different mental category for me. So while for many weeks, uh, for what reason, I I don't know for sure, I've been thinking the economic consequences of this outbreak are definitely going to be long-term. 
But the social distancing requirements and limitations and things, yeah, that probably won't last past April. I don't know why I thought that. I do know I've really found my heart and mind trying to switch gears this week from, you know, this, this is going to be a relatively short-term thing to, no, wait, this is going to affect daily life for, for some three months or more. You know, in a short-term crisis, I think there's a, a lot of camaraderie we can experience in pulling together. You know, we, we lock arms, we pray, we reach out to those in need. There, there's kind of an, an initial wave of grace from the Holy Spirit in a crisis to deal with the challenges at hand. I know I felt that as a, as a father, a husband, and pastor many times. But, but when the days turn into weeks, and the weeks turn into months, our feelings start to change, don't they? You start, you start thinking, wait, is this a new normal? <laughs> Lord, I'm not sure I like this new normal. Actually, I am sure. I really don't like this new normal. <laughs> I can't do things I love to do. People I love are suffering. You know, maybe, maybe you thought staying at home for a couple of weeks would be kind of fun. You've enjoyed parts of that. But, but staying at home for three months, well, that's not so cool. You might not say it aloud like a five-year-old in the back seat, but, but internally we can start thinking and feeling, why is this taking so long, Lord? I know you're the king of creation. I know you ransom my soul from the power and fear of death. I'm, I'm genuinely grateful for all that, but can, can we please just go back to normal life? I want my normal life back now. If our hearts are, are like an oven range that you cook on, I think this is about the point in this whole experience where, where discontentment can just start to simmer on the back burner. You know, it has yet to boil over, hopefully. Uh, you haven't gone completely crazy yet, but who knows how you're going to feel six weeks from now or, or 10 weeks from now if our circumstances haven't changed. Maybe you've already noticed that, that you're just getting a little bit more irritable or, or you're having trouble with relatively minor inconveniences. At what began in this whole season is just the sense of disorientation is kind of morphing into to low-grade anxiety and, and discontent and impatience. And I think it's exactly at this point, you know, some three, nearly four weeks into all this, friends, that we really need the perspective, encouragement, and admonition of Psalm 131. Uh, this is one of the shortest psalms in the Psalter. It's kind of like 93 that we looked at a few weeks ago. But I love short psalms in the midst of real trouble. And this one in particular, in a wonderfully concise and memorable way, speaks directly to this looming struggle with discontentment. So let's hear the word of the Lord. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. 
but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. We don't know exactly what situation or circumstance prompted King David to write this psalm. We do know that it provides exactly what we need to hear as we try to settle into this kind of new normal of sorts. And just just look at verse 2. Isn't that what we want to experience in a time like this? A, A calm and quiet soul. A heart that's joyfully content, no matter what comes our way. So the question I ask is, all right, Lord, how in the world do we get there? If, if living in the good of verse 2 is the goal, think of it that way, then what we find in verse 1 is what we need to put off. And in verse 3, what we need to put on in order to get there to the goal of verse 2. Put it all together, I think this psalm teaches us that contentment in God is always the fruit of humility before God. There's a connection between our contentment in the Lord and the humility in our heart toward him. Contentment, in other words, in the midst of real trouble, isn't the result of just a carefree personality or money in the bank, or, or some kind of secret stash of personal protective equipment. Contentment is the sweet fruit of humility, friends, now and always. So let's, let's begin by considering what we need to put off in verse 1. Look there with me. Point number 1, anxiety is rooted in pride. Let's think about this. The three negative images in in verse one, a heart that is not lifted up, eyes that are not raised too high, a man or woman who's not occupied with things too great or too marvelous. All of those images, they make a similar confession. Lord, no matter what situation I'm in, no matter how frightful or unnerving my circumstances, I refuse to embrace an attitude of pride or arrogance towards you. And you know, at first glance, even as I was meditating on this psalm this week, that, that can seem like a really strange thing for David to say, right? You know, we, we typically contrast the contentment we see in verse 2 with what? Anxiety or worry or restlessness or, or fear. Those are the opposites of contentment. Pride? How is that the opposite of contentment? But I think therein lies the great deception of sin, doesn't it? You know, we we tend to think that a little worry, a little anxiety, maybe even a little fear is is a good thing. You know, it's what responsible people who care how things turn out in the midst of tough situations should feel in the midst of a viral pandemic. But, you know, that's not the perspective of Scripture, friends. From God's perspective, please hear this. Fear, worry, and anxiety are neither excusable 
nor responsible. Okay, they are in, in many cases expressions of pride because they're rooted in what? Our sinful tendency to play God by, by exalting our desires and, and our assessments and our wisdom above the Lord's. You know, we tend to think of a proud person as, as somebody who's just kind of loudly always boasting and talking about how great they are, all the things they've achieved. But pride can manifest itself in, in all kinds of different flavors of worry and, and fear and discontentment. Just think about a few of these with me. You know, what does worry say? What's it say? More or less, I've surveyed the scene, reviewed all the possibilities, and concluded in my great wisdom that every possible outcome in this situation is equally bad. <laughs> well, are you sure about that, friend? It seems like the presence and, and power of God are strangely absent from that sort of calculation. Or what does panic say? kind of worry on steroids. Well, panic says this situation is completely out of control. Well, are you sure about that? Do you realize behind that is what? An assumption that, that God is not in control. And so in both those cases, in, in worry or it's kind of older brother panic, we project ourselves into a godless future. And then we begin to feel and, and act accordingly. You know, other flavors of this, this can surface. Have you ever said or heard someone say, well, if elected official A, B, or C would just do their job, hello, then everything would be fine. Would you realize how that, that kind of judgment sets up another human being, not God, as the ultimate authority in the situation? Or what does our, our self-sufficiency say? We have a six-month emergency fund. We have state-of-the-art medical care. We're, we're going to be just fine. Does that sort of person feel anxious? Well, well, maybe not. But notice it's only because they're enthroning something other than God as their functional savior. You know, when our life gets hard, Pride can surface in other ways. Our prayers can become demands. You know, what are, we, what are we tempted to start saying to the Lord? Lord, you have to move and work in this way right now. No other outcome is acceptable. Well, who's God in that scenario? I am, right? Simmering discontent is no better. What does that say? I know exactly what I really need or we really need right now. And I don't understand why God is dragging his feet in giving it to me. So, so pick your flavor of worry, anxiety, fear, friends. We, we can flip back and forth between all those attitudes when life is hard. And, and they all sort of look different or maybe feel different. Some of them even masquerade as being responsible but they're all rooted in pride because in every case, what are we doing? We're, we're assigning more authority to what we think is true about God than what God says is true about himself. 
We, we functionally deny his goodness, his wisdom, his power, or his presence, or, or maybe all the above. And in nearly every one of those examples that I gave, what, what are we doing? We're either acting as if we are God, or we're pretending someone or something else is God. You, you know what that is? That's the definition of pride. We exchange praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, for my kingdom come, and my will be done. And so when David says, look back at verse 1, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Friends, he's not just saying, I'm trying to not think above my pay grade. What is he saying? He's saying, I refuse to play God in my world. And that little phrase, the things that are too great, too marvelous, or, or too wonderful, that shows up over and over again in the Old Testament as a description of who God alone is or what God alone can do. It's, it's not just things that are above or beyond human ability. Psalm 9 verse 1 I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. Psalm 139, verse 14. Wonderful are your works. Isaiah 9, verse 6. His name shall be called. Your name? My name? No. Jesus' name. Wonderful counselor. Isaiah 29, verse 14, I will again do wonderful things with this people. You'll never see in God's word a human being successfully describing what they can do in any situation as wonderful or marvelous. That's God's job. That's God's terrain. And so to the degree you find yourself right now, friend, Um, as I do, tempted to slip into worry or fear or some other form of, of restless anxiety, I want to encourage you, don't just ask the Lord to comfort you, though that's good. Ask the Lord to give you the grace of repentance. Ask him to show you where your heart is, is lifted up, where your eyes are, are raised too high, where You've been occupying yourself with things that are too great, too marvelous for you. Ask the Lord to forgive your pride. You know, verse 2 is such a beautiful description of the exact opposite of, of a clamoring, restless, or, or self-exalting heart. It's, it's a picture of quiet contentment. And it shows us what we need to put on. So let's consider that verse. Point number two, a contentment is rooted in humility. If restless anxiety is rooted in pride, contentment is rooted in humility. And that's really helpful because sometimes we can think, Lord, I want to be content. I want a quiet and calm heart, but I have no clue how to get there. Do I just sort of sit around and wait for it to to jump me? Well, this is where verse two and three are so helpful because it shows us that contentment is, is rooted in something. It's grounded in something. It's the fruit of something. It's called humility. So what does David do? Verse two, instead of pretending to be God or 
concluding someone or someone else is God and getting all anxious as a result. Verse two, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. We're going to look in just a couple minutes at how do we actually do that? Calm and quiet our souls in trouble. But, but first I think we need to linger on this illustration because that's what it is. This picture of contentment that I don't think I understood very well until I watched my wife, Eliza raise our three boys, especially when they were younger. So think about it. What, what is a child who is not yet weaned? which in David's day meant a child who was still nursing, fed by their mom. What do they tend to do when they're around their mother and they begin to feel hungry? What do they do? Well, 10 times out of 10, (laughs) they start fussing, right? They start rooting around. And if mom doesn't immediately feed them, they let the whole world know with a persistent cry that has driven dads crazy and brought moms running for centuries, I need help now. For, for an infant who's not weaned, especially if they're with their mom, there's no gap between when they feel hungry and when they start loudly demanding food. I, I'm not sure I've ever heard a nursing mom ever describe her hungry child as a model of patience. So in contrast, how does a weaned child behave with its mother? Well, here's where we do well to, to not push this illustration further than David intends to go, because I know some of you moms out there listening to me right now are thinking, nursing infants have nothing on my teenage boys. <laughs> Forget eating every three hours. My boys are always hungry. Half of our conversations start with them opening the fridge, staring into it and saying, is there anything to eat in here? Well, exceptions aside, what's the general principle here? Hey, think about it. Does a weaned child tend to be more or less calm and quiet around their mom? More quiet, right? More calm, even when they start to feel hungry. Why? It's because they know at just the right time, in the right way, mom will give me the food that I need. They've learned they can trust her. They've learned that that even if no food is in sight right now, at the right time, it'll come. Mom knows me. And mom's going to provide for me. They're not so demanding. They're not so insistent, relatively speaking, <laughs> that they don't say, if I sense you're near, mom, you have four seconds to hook me up to the milk truck or else I'm going to scream bloody murder. <laughs> A wean child is able to wait without going ballistic. They have more patience than a child that's not weaned. So whether they choose to do so or not, they're constitutionally able to be with their mom and not demand food immediately. And friends, that, that weaned child with its mother is a picture, a really helpful picture of what our relationship with the Lord should be like, right? You know, when we begin to feel hungry, 
not just physically, but metaphorically, when we start longing to get out of the house and be with other people, when we feel relationally thirsty in this situation, financially thirsty, when we're eager to just enjoy life the way it was before this whole coronavirus thing kicked in, all those hungers, we feel that. What, what do we do? What do we need to do as Christians? Well, we choose to calm and quiet our soul. We choose to be patient and wait for the Lord to provide for all our needs at the right time, in the right way, according to what he knows is best. We choose to be content instead of grumbling or complaining or in a thousand other ways accusing God of, of not living up to his end of the bargain. In other words, we choose the path of humility. But here's what I want you to really hear this morning. That kind of humility is only possible if we heed the admonition in verse 3. Look at verse 3. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Remember, if if verse 2 is the goal where we want to live, verse 1 is what we want to put off, that kind of pride, then verse 3 is what we need to put on to get back to verse 2. So what do we need to put on? In verse 3, how do we calm and quiet our souls? How do we choose the path of humble contentment and wait for the Lord on the path of humble contentment? Well, we choose to hope in the Lord. That's what David's saying. Again, how does, how does a weaned child calm and quiet their soul? Mom knows And at the right time, in the right way, mom will provide. How does a Christian calm and quiet their soul? What what are you going to do this week when anxiety is knocking at your door? Or grumbling and complaining. It feels like they've just kind of moved into the upstairs bedroom. Or impatience is cooking in the oven. Well, by the grace of God, we make a choice. We choose to hope not in what we can see, or we can understand, or what, what we think is best. We refuse to play God, or act like someone or something else is God. Instead, we choose to hope in the Lord. By God's grace, we, we confess the truth of 1 Kings eighteen thirty nine. Even while we're waiting, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then we heed the words of God himself, In Matthew chapter 6, verse 30, where Jesus says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. Hear that, friend, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
pride tries to build our own kingdom, doesn't it? And no surprise, winds up worried and anxious and fearful. What does humility do? Well, humility seeks first God's kingdom and winds up calm and quiet, even in the midst of great sorrow and great disappointment. And so maybe you ask, how does humility seek first God's kingdom? What does that mean? Well, it means, friend, that day after day, we choose to recognize and trust and believe that the Lord is God. That I'm not, that you're not, and that God alone is worthy of all our hope and all our trust. That David didn't calm and quiet his soul, in other words, through some sort of mind game where he just kind of tuned out or forgot his needs and desires. It wasn't a yoga thing or a mindfulness thing. He calmed and quieted his soul by choosing the path of humility, hoping not in himself or what he could see or what seemed right or necessary in his own eyes, but in the Lord and in him alone. And he invited Israel to join him, didn't he? Oh, Israel, join me, come with me. Let us together as the people of God choose this day to hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And Kingsway, that's what I'm praying for us, that there would be something the Lord teaches us in this season of waiting where the new normal is filled with all kinds of at present unmet, unsatisfied hungers and thirst. That the Lord would work in us a new kind of, of deep trust and hope in him that, that wouldn't just go back in the closet when this time is over, but would what? Would endure in our hearts and in our church from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray for that together. All the limitations of our present circumstances, everything you can't do right now, that you wish you could do right now, that I wish we could do right now, all of that, this week, remember, every single one of those is an invitation from the Lord himself for you to walk in humility. That's what they are. We need to remember that restless anxiety is, is rooted in pride and that quiet contentment is rooted in humility. And here's the good news. Our Heavenly Father, through the power of the Spirit, is eager to help us to reject the former and embrace the latter for Jesus' sake. Friend, know this week as you cry out to God, he's going to help you. He'll empower you. He'll enable you to calm and quiet your soul by choosing to hope in him. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose from the grave so that you would always have better reasons to trust the Lord than to fear. So this week, don't, don't lift up your heart. Don't raise your eyes too high. Don't occupy yourself with things too great and too marvelous for you. The Lord alone is God. We're not. He alone is worthy of your trust. And that, friends, is an exceedingly good thing. So no matter what the next few weeks hold, no matter how long we have to wait 
for the normal life we desire to return. Let's do this as the people of God. Let's heed the Lord's word to us in Psalm 131 and fight for quiet contentment by walking the path of humility. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are so grateful for how your word meets us in the midst of our troubles and our challenges. Father, we, we pray that you would continue to use your word, even as you have this morning, uh, to convict us, Lord, to the, to the degree pride is at the root of all kinds of different worries or anxieties or fears that we're feeling. Oh, Lord, would you grant us the grace of repentance? Uh, we pray we would not have hearts that are lifted up, eyes that are raised too high. We, we pray that you would guard us from, from endlessly spinning around in our mind matters and concerns and troubles that are too great and wonderful for us. Lord, deliver us from our incessant temptation to play God or to project ourselves into a godless future or, or to act like someone else or something else as God. Lord, all of those forms of pride, would you help us to reject that, to turn away from that by your power, by your grace? And instead, this week, in a thousand moments, seen and unseen, to experience the joy of a calm, quiet, content soul, as together as your people, day after day, no matter how long this goes on, we choose to walk the path of humility. Oh, Father, help us with that, I pray. Thank you in advance for the way you're going to do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, two uh, brief comments as we prepare to close. Um, first, I want to encourage all of you uh, to spend some time in First Peter this week. We're actually going to spend two weeks in our corporate devotions in the book of First Peter. And that's a wonderful place to learn how to think through suffering in this life as a Christian. And lastly, let's keep being the church. Just like I encouraged us at the very beginning, keep looking for those ways to take initiative, to reach out, to connect, to call, to text, to email, to Zoom chat, whatever you need to do. Uh, let's stay connected with one another. May the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, Kingsway, and give you peace. I love you very much. I go in peace to love and serve the Lord. God bless you.